0: Anyway, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of, uh, well, what's a good book? Uh, Genesis. Let's go. We'll go from generation to the book of revolution, all right? The book of Genesis in chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. You know, every one of us like to go to church and sit there and the preacher just make us feel all kind of warm and fuzzy inside and Real nice and comfortable and cozy when we leave, we just feel so good. Uh, That's me. I want you to meet a preacher, not just one, a whole bunch of them. When you study the Word of God and you see how some of these preachers preach a very unpopular message, you would think, well, I wonder what the people thought of that. Now, you know that God had told Noah that there was going to be a flood. Going to be some water and going to be some mud. And um, lo and behold, it happened. But I want you to look there in Genesis in chapter 5. Genesis in chapter 5. And verse 21. Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. Now, you and I know that he must have um, been a preacher. Well, he walked with God. If he walked with God, he must have been obedient to God. So he must have preached, right? Well, it doesn't say that right here. But I do want you to hold your place here because we'll come back to Genesis in chapter 6 here in just a minute. But take your Bible and turn all the way over there to the book of Jude. The book of Jude. And um, there's a a scripture here that I want to bring to your attention. In the book of Jude, there's only one chapter. But I want you to look there in verse 14. And it kind of gives you an idea of the message that a man like Enoch preached. Now, if you were on the earth at this time, remember that Noah was also here and Noah was preaching. Enoch was preaching and they lived a long time. So they had a a long time ministry. And I believe that Enoch was used by the Lord to uh, preach righteousness and they were wicked So look what he says here in verse 14 and Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these saying behold the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. So even before the flood Enoch knew about the Lord Jesus Christ coming back in the end time with ten thousands of his saints but you go back to the Old Testament you don't find that there. See they knew a lot more than what we give them credit for because the word of God says so. But what kind of a message did he preach? I mean, was he a good preacher? Did he tiptoe through the tithers? Well, look what he says here. In verse 15, to execute judgment. So he preached before and prophesied this is what's going to happen. To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly Among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Do you think that God knows all those people that spoke against him? God says he does. And God is going to deal with all those people that did all those bad things. You know, we have people today that go to church, and there's one thing they don't want to hear. Don't talk about sin because that upsets people. Don't talk about standards of right and wrong because half of God's people are disobedient to God. And they'll get their feelings hurt so you can't say anything that would upset them. Because after all we're supposed to feel good. That's why we go to church. Well when you go to church you're supposed to go because you wanted to learn what the Word of God said. When you go to church to hear the Word of God you're supposed to go because you want to know if there's anything in my life that's not right Search me, old God, and see if there be any wicked way in me, so that I can correct it. But most people don't have that kind of an attitude. See, many times it's just, they're just playing games. They just want to do enough good to keep God off their back, so they can do whatever they want to do. But they're not serious about the thing. They're not really committed to anything, and so church isn't. Uh, a priority in their life. It's just something that they can do once in a while if, uh, if they got time for it. Or if they can work it into their schedule. i interrupting anything else. But look what he says. These are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lust. And their mouth speaketh great swelling words. Having men's person in admiration because of advantage. Does it seem like that Enoch was probably a, a hard-nosed preacher? Do you think he was pretty hard, hard-nosed? Hard He would hit him right between the eyes. i bet you, I'll bet you he made people mad. I'll just bet you he upset people. I'll bet you, now remember, he's living right before the, the flood. He's preaching and warning people about judgment coming. And I'll bet you people mocked him. I'll just bet you they did. Take your Bible and look here in the book of Genesis in chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Look in verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. But he didn't want to say anything to them because he didn't want to hurt their feelings. You know what God was always looking for? A man... That would do what God said do. Preach the way God says to preach. And give them the message God wanted them to hear. And it had nothing to do whether they like it or they don't like it. Truth is truth. But some people can't handle truth. They are so deceived. And being deceived. They live in a a world of their own making. And they don't want to think about God. So they have. They isolate God out of their mind, and they live in this little compartment that they've got in their own world, and they've got bricks around it, and you can't get in. And they want to live there. And God sees all the wickedness. Do you think if God saw it back in Enoch's day, do you believe he might see what's going on in the world today? God sees what people think about Christianity. God knows what people think about God. Do they want him in our schools? Do they want prayer in our schools? Do they want all these things? No. Well, do you think God in heaven knows that? And yet God tells us that he ought to be in all of our thoughts. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Except when you go to school, or if you're in government, or government property, or if... No. Look here in verse 5. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. This is what God saw. But but down in verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So there's a lot of people, wicked people, but Noah found grace. And then he says here that God was going to bring judgment upon the earth. Going to judge the earth. See there in verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Buddy, it sounds like uh, the world today. You'd be surprised all the things that are going on. And the Bible says in the last days, earthquakes all over the world. And buddy, they're everywhere, and it's multiplying, and uh, tragedies that are happening. It's uh, you would think we must be living in the last days or something. You would think that maybe, maybe the Lord's coming back soon. But there's people who mock that also and don't believe that story. And so sometimes the preacher is supposed to preach what God says even though people don't believe it. You see, God didn't say that people had to believe what we say, but we are supposed to say it anyway. Now, take your Bible and turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter in the New Testament and chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter, right after 1 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2, there's some things that God had said about false teachers and false preachers and so forth in the last days. But it talks about how God is able to judge all the wicked people. And God did. He judged the angels that sinned against Him. He judged those at Sodom and Gomorrah. But look there in verse 5. And he spared not the old world, but he saved Noah, the eighth person, A, and you ought to underline this in your Bible, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now, the ungodly were there, and it was preaching to them. And he talked about ungodly, 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 all the way down through there in the book of Jude. And so Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Do you believe everybody listened to what Noah had to say. Do you believe they believed his message? Well, he had to tell them about why he was building this big old boat. He was building a big boat so that it would float. Because he had knowledge that there was going to be some problems coming. How would you like to pray? Hey, it's going to rain. They say, what's that? They believed that the earth had just been, you know, a good dude and came up. I don't know if they ever had any rain clouds or not. I don't know. But it's going to be a flood. So he builds a, a boat, 120 years, and preaches, and eight people get in the ark. Eight people get in the ark. That was Mr. Noah and Mrs. Noah, and three sons and their wives. Eight people, a few, got into the ark. And you think, well, after preaching that long, that everybody would have believed him. Because it was God's message. But see, there's people who do not like to listen to what God has to say. And so his message doesn't get through. It doesn't sink in. But God tells his men, preach the truth. Preach the word. Because, you see, we're living in some end time days, and I don't believe people really believe it's as serious as it looks like. I think everybody think it's going to get better and better and better. But according to the Bible, it says it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And we're heading for some dark days in the future. So um, he said, this is what I want you to know, look there in uh, chapter 3, in chapter 3, where he makes a statement in verse 1, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before of the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own love. And what are they scoffing? The message that the preachers were preaching. So there's people that are going to laugh and mock at the message that we preach. There's people that don't believe the rapture is going to take place. You'd be surprised at all the things that I get about people who believe that they, said they believe the rapture is going to take place. Well, I'm one of them. I believe the rapture is going to take place. I believe Christ could come back very soon. But you believe that the Lord is coming back, and I believe the Lord's coming back. When you look at all the things that are happening in this world, it ought to be enough to scare the average person, but you that know the Lord, and your hope is in the Lord. You know you're looking for the upper taker. You know Christ is coming back, and it could come back at any moment, and that is exciting. But anyway, there's those that hear the message and mock the message, mock God's people, So if you will preach the gospel and you tell people what you think that's going to take place in this world and prophecy, did you know that there's people that may not believe you? I know that's hard for you to believe. People may not agree with you and they'll disagree with you. And that's going to happen. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus in chapter eight. The book of Exodus all the way back there in the Old Testament. Exodus. chapter 8. Now Moses was a, well he was a great man, and God used him in a, in a great way. But God had told him and gave him a message. Now his wasn't a great big message, he didn't have to memorize a lot of stuff. He didn't have to worry about memorizing the Bible. He didn't have to learn the, the Torah at that time. God gave him a simple message, I want you to go down into Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Simple message. Sure, Lord, sounds like a piece of cake. All I got is going out and telling him to let my people go. And everything is going to work out cool because he's going to obey the Lord. And, of course, the person who's going to hear the message is going to obey, right? Well, not Exactly. He says in verse one, and the Lord spake unto Moses, go unto Pharaoh, say unto him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Told them what to do and why. I want you to tell them, let my people go that they may serve me. And of course, he says in the next verse, if they refuse, if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. I'd like to preach a message like that. And you don't know if God's going to come through with it or not. I'm supposed to tell you that if you don't let his people go, he's going to send frogs after you. Hey, I'm scared. Frogs. And lice. Oh, boy, all the things that happen. And he told them over and over and over again. Look down in verse 9. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, glory over me when I shall entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy house. But they came. The frogs showed up. I am going to be a preacher of the Lord. I'm going down and tell old Pharaoh, you let God's people go or I'm going to send frogs on you. Would you be afraid to believe what God said? Would you like to go over there and look at Sodom, who's Hussein who's now dead, and say, let the people have freedom. Off with your head. Or go see somebody else. And say, let the people have freedom. Would you be scared? That's like Moses going down there because, remember, they wanted to kill him when he left. He says, the one that sought your life is dead now. See, God even knew that. God knows everything. Look in verse twenty, and the Lord said unto Moses, "Rise up early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me." In other words, God didn't change the message. Just because the people didn't, live, He didn't change the message. One time, this guy was preaching. As a candidate for this church. And they thought he was pretty good. Because he talked us on. You must be born again. So they hired the guy. And so the next Sunday. He preached a sermon on. You must be born again. Sunday night he preached a sermon. On you must be born again. Wednesday night he preached on. You must be born again. Some of the deacons came to see him. Says preacher we enjoyed that message. On you must be born again. Uh, But do you have another one. He says, the reason I preach on you must be born again is because the Bible says you must be born again. So that Sunday morning he preached a message on you must be born again. And if they will trust the Lord and be born again, I guess he could go on to another sermon. Whenever Pharaoh let the people go, he could change the message, but he never changed the message. It always stayed the same. Even though he would not Obey. And it took a while, but lo and behold, he finally came through and he says, uh, I'm going to let the people go that they may serve you. And so he finally gave in and it all worked. But look in chapter 9 and verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. See, God never changed his message, stayed the same. How would you like to have Only one point in your sermon. Let my people go. Let my people go. How would you like it if every Sunday morning I came in here and I only have one sermon and it's always just one verse. And I'll correct it and change that whenever I get the results from the other sermon. You see, people today, they want to be tickled. Tickle my ears. Tell me what I want to hear. Make me feel good. Sin doesn't make people feel good. I can preach on certain things and make people squirm because they don't like that. And if you make them mad, they don't come back. That shows you, did they come because they love the Word and really want to do whatever the Word of God says? See, when you're right with God, it won't matter what the preacher says. If you're right with the Lord and you're doing right, it won't matter what I teach. You're going to love the Lord and love His Word and you can be found faithful, but you can't agree with everything that everybody says. But if you're convinced that this is what God said, you ought to obey what God says. And your heart should be warm toward the things of the Lord, not warm and fuzzy, but I'm talking about when you're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is teaching you through the Word of God, always quickly obey. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Take your Bible and turn to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel And look there in chapter 12. 2 Samuel and chapter 12. Have you ever heard of a guy named David? King of Israel. You know one day he did something he shouldn't have done. He had responsibilities but he didn't do it. He stayed home. And that day he just happened to look over this little banister. And lo and behold he saw a woman. And um, thought things that he shouldn't have thought. And because of that. He committed adultery with her, and then she gets pregnant, and now he's got to hide that sin. So what he does is he has her husband come home from the battle and hoping that he'll spend the night with her, and then they'll think it's it's his baby. See there? See there? A Christian can't think things like that. This one did. David. You know, the one that has, he's the apple of God's eye. I mean, this is God, the lover of the Lord. I mean, the sweet psalmist of Israel. He wouldn't do anything wrong like that. And if you're really saved, you're not going to want to go out here and do those bad things. Yes, you do. That's another sermon. We'll get into that some other time. But look in verse 1. God had a man. And God sent a man. He sent a man to see David. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city. One rich, the other poor. Rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing. Save one little lamb, which he had bought up, brought up and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man. And he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb, dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And Nathan looks at King David and says, Thou art the man, thou art the man. Don't you know that would be like a dagger in his heart? How would you like to be the preacher that had to deliver the message to the king who has the power to take your life and it takes a great bit of courage to do what God says do when you know that he could get mad but look what he says in verse 7. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. God said, I, I, I did all of this. I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would much more have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. Thou hast taken his wife to be thy wife. Hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. So, see God blamed him for that man's death, even though he told Joab, "Take and put him in the heat of the battle, so he'll die." Yeah, he died by them, but he said it was your fault. You did that. So here's David, the man after God's own heart, committed murder and committed adultery. How would you like to be the preacher that has to go preach the sermon to him? Do you think he's really waiting to be told this? Confront this? I don't think so. But you see, a lot of times God's people, they do things that they shouldn't do. And they come to church and they don't want the preacher to say anything because it it could offend them. So instead of confessing things between them and the Lord and getting things right, they try to cover it or hide it. But he says here in verse 10, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me. You see, the reason he committed adultery, he said, because you despise me. The reason you committed murder, because you despise me. The reason people do what they do and don't correct it is because they despise God. They despise his word. They want to mock God. And God says, you won't mock me and get away with it. That's why there's a warning of judgment. And it will take place. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter 28. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Boy, he had a sermon sermon. That I wouldn't want to preach. He had a ministry that I wouldn't want. Not everybody loved Jeremiah, but in Jeremiah chapter twenty-six, I just want you to know there was a guy named Hananiah that uh, he says, "Look, there, there's nothing wrong. Everything is okay, and you don't need to listen to Jeremiah. Everything's gonna be cool." He says the Nebuchadnezzar, they're not gonna come, and that's all talk. Jeremiah's a false prophet. You don't not listen to him. And he confronted him and Lord the boom on him. Look in verse 15. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah, The prophet, hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. You see, sometimes God's people have to confront, to deal with things. Say what's right, say what's wrong. And it hurts feeling. See, it's not that the preacher Jeremiah was wrong, or Enoch was wrong, or Noah was wrong, or Moses was wrong. It's that people don't want to listen to what God says. That's what's wrong. That's what's wrong. And so he says here, thou hast made the people to trust in a lie. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. Did God deal with him? Well, God dealt with him. Jeremiah was telling the truth. You see, Jeremiah didn't pull any punches. He just told the truth. And he wound up in a, a pit. They wanted to kill him. I mean, just so many things that happened to the poor guy. And all he was trying to do is what God said. And you know what? He got so discouraged at one time, he says, I'm not going to say any more. Let them do whatever they want to do. I'm not going to say another word. And he says, but his word was in my bones as a fire and I could not stay. In other words, I couldn't stop from preaching. I had to do it. So he did it. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Mark chapter 6. The book of Mark and chapter 6. Now this is mentioned in several places, but I like the, the scriptures on this because it explains it just a little bit better. Mark chapter 6, and look at verse 14. And verse 14. You've heard of a guy named John the Baptist, a man that God says, there's no man born of a woman greater than this man. It must have been some man. Well, we know he didn't have a big ministry because he started right about six months before Christ did. Started his ministry. And so he was a forerunner of Christ. So he didn't have a long ministry because Christ's ministry was only three and a half years. And he was dead before Jesus was crucified. So so he didn't have a long ministry, a couple years. And yet to have all that said about him, what a man. But what did this man do? Well, he looked like probably a wild man out of the wilderness. He probably didn't have on a three-piece suit, I doubt it. He probably didn't have any degrees after his name. But you know what John the Baptist, he said, I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He was the forerunner of Christ. He says, I am not the Christ. He says, there cometh one after me, whose shoe latches. I'm not worthy to bow down and tie shoes. He says, I baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So he had a message, and he did preach. And he preached repentance to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what he preached. And everybody loved him. Well, not exactly. But he preached what God wanted. You see, too many people today are seeking people's approval. Forget people's approval. You better seek God's approval. You do what you believe God wants you to do. Not what everybody else thinks you ought to do. You do what God wants you to do. But look what he says in verse 14. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he says that John the Baptist was risen from the dead. And therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said this is Elijah. Others said that is a prophet or one of the prophets? But when Herod heard, therefore, he said, It is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. See, he thought it was Jesus was John, Baptist. He, he, this guy was having nightmares. This guy was having problems. And so he says here in verse 17, For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. But see, in God's eyes, she was still Philip's wife. He took somebody he didn't have a right to take and married her. And he says, you took another man's wife. And he says there in verse 18, For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. And did did he make anybody mad? Evidently. Not everybody loved John the Baptist. And so they had a big party. And Herod was going to do whatever this little young lady wanted to get up there and dance around. That's why you don't go to parties like that. And anyway, he says, here in verse 19, Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him, And would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man, and a holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, and did many things, he did many things, and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his, all his birthday, we ought to sing happy birthday to Herod. Well, maybe we'll just bypass that. It was his birthday. So you see, even back then, they celebrated birthdays. I guess it must be all right. It's in the Bible. And made a supper to his lord's high captains and chief estate of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod, and then that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it to thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it to thee until the half of my kingdom. Must have been some dancer. Must have been some dancer. In verse 24, and she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she says, The head of John the Baptist. Now remember, what wrong had John the Baptist done? He hadn't done any wrong to anybody, he was just a forerunner of Christ. Jesus says, no man born of a woman greater than this man in prison. And he preached because he was in prison because he said, you don't have a right to do that. That's wrong. And he confronted. You would think, well, people would just correct it, but they don't correct it. See, when you're wrong on something, it burns inside of you, and you hate the person who tells you that, who will confront you with that. This is why we have people today that want to pass laws making sin right, because it helps them to feel better about themselves. Well, everybody does it. Everybody else don't think the way you think. If everybody would just think the way God thinks, then everybody would, think would be all right. But people don't, so they want to sin and then cover the sin. What is an abortion? A sin to cover a sin. A sin to cover a sin. Say, well, that free choice, you made the choice when you committed adultery, or you committed fornication. When you had sex together, you ought not do it. You save yourself for marriage. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. I didn't make that up. God says that. Now, should I... Be timid in saying what I believe the Word of God teaches because, well, we're living in a time and age when, you know, that's old-fashioned talk. Well, until I get a new Bible with an update, I'll just have to keep teaching the one that I've got. Still says it's wrong. So it says here, I'll give it to you. And it says in verse 24, and she went forth and asked. For Verse 25, And she came in straightway with haste unto the king, and asked, saying, I will give what thou, give me, bind by in a charge of the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorrow, yet for his oath's sake, and for the sake which sat with him, because he'd already given his word, he could not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner, and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison. And brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. All because he made somebody mad. You see, this guy had his head cut off. Moses, when he went to face Pharaoh, could have cut off his head. You see, there's all kinds of things that can be the consequences of us taking a stand for doing what's right. Yours might be that you might witness to somebody and it might cost you your job. But many people today don't take and run the risk of anything. We just go ahead and try to soften things down and just, the key is just get along. Because we don't want to confront people. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being unkind. I'm not talking about being ungodly. I'm just talking about just do right. Just do right. If there's things in your life that are not right, don't you want the Lord to reveal it to you so that you can correct the problem? Because if you don't, your Heavenly Father's going to beat the tar out of you. Now, which would you rather have? Correct the problem or beat up? You see, God can send all kinds of things into your life. That you don't see and understand where it's coming from. And you don't know why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? God may be trying to get your attention on something. You ever heard, you know, sometimes God may have to use a 2 before to get your attention? Might be what he's doing. Uh, Look there in chapter 4 of the book of Acts. The book of Acts in chapter 4. And you'll notice that in this 4th chapter, uh, they had been told not to do something. And so... um, People were upset, especially the, the leaders. But look at verse 5, And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and the elders and the scribes, and Ennis the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. When they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he has made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of, uh, of the guy that lives in Nazareth, whom ye... Now some people tell you you, you, you can't say the name Jesus Christ, you know. Do you know you can talk about every religion in the world? Mention every name you want to. But don't mention Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the best name in all the world. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my God. He is my King. I am not to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Anyway, as he stands there and answers their question, I guess he could have said a lot and beat around a bush, but he came out and he said it. Be it known unto you all in the name of the people, he said, and by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole, whom ye, does he, does he point the finger? Do you think it made him mad, upset? Yeah, it made him mad. You ought to read the sermon that Stephen preached in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts. But did he make him mad? As far as I know, it was the only sermon he ever preached, and they stoned him to death. Because they got so upset with what he said. I thought, now, Stephen, no, if you just only had read the book by Dale Carnegie on how to win friends and influence people, it would have really helped. You just didn't do it right. You must have done something wrong. Do You know, there's some things you can't do anything right with some people. I don't care how you do it. It won't be the right way. Because whenever somebody doesn't want the truth, you can't get the truth to them the right way. There is no other way to make them accept it. No. So he says in verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He's answering their question and letting them know there is no salvation in any other except the name of Jesus Christ, but that's preaching right between the eyes. That's not holding back. That's telling it like it is. That's because, you see, when people do not fear man and you fear God, you can deliver like God says to deliver. You can live the way God wants you to live if you fear God instead of man. But the only thing that holds you back and fear will keep you from doing the things you ought to do is because you fear man. You're afraid of man. You're a coward. You're weak. You run. Confidence in God's what gives a man boldness. Learn to trust the Lord with your fear. You see, courage is fear that says its prayers and goes ahead. Now, I don't have time to go into some of the other places that I wanted to, but just to understand that sometimes a preacher preaches a hard sermon. We don't try to hurt nobody. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I believe that everything God told his men to preach is because God loved the people, and God wants to warn. God wants people to trust him. But God wants people to know that God doesn't tolerate sin. And that God will judge. And I believe that America, unless there's a great spiritual revival in this country, there is going to be a great judgment upon this country. But I, I'm, all I want to do is try to help people. I don't want to hurt nobody. But I know sometimes the things that you just say and do, it does hurt. But I personally, myself, I don't want to. But I love telling what God's Word says. And I hope you enjoy listening to it. Look up here. This hand represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us, but he hates our sin. And since we've all sinned, we're all condemned, and the wages of sin is death. We have to pay for it. We've got a death payment. We owe. We're in debt. But God says to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. You have to be perfect, and nobody's perfect. We've all sinned and come short of God's perfection. And God says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven by your good deeds. So this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He's God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Now, he hates what we do wrong, but he loves us. But he says our sin separates us from God. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all of our sins, not some of them, all of them, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead. Now this payment, though it's been made, is not put to your account till you believe He did it for you. So if you will believe that He did it for you, then He puts this payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what He did. All you had to do is accept it. Just believe it. And God says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, this is the most important message in all the world. This story, there's power in it. Because when a lost man hears and understands it and trusts Christ as Savior, his destiny is changed. He becomes a child of God. He's going to heaven when he dies. So much just by that placing his faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He shed his blood on the cross to pay for all the sins of the whole world. I have trusted Christ as my Savior, and I hope that you have. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, understand this. God says there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody is a sinner. We all are. But God loves us. He loves us. He sent his son to pay for your sins. And he said, if you'll trust him, he will save you and give you eternal life. Would you do that? Would you trust him? If you've never done it, do it right now. With heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around, if you've never trusted Christ, I urge you right now, in the quietness of this moment, just between you and the Lord, would you trust him? If you're making that decision, I would like to know it, only because I'd like to have prayer for you. And so I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And you're saying, Preacher, that made sense to me. I know I'm a sinner. And I believe Christ died for me. And I want to trust him to take me to heaven whenever I die. And friend, God said if you'll believe it, you'll do just that much. He will give you the free gift of eternal life. Never cast you out and never lose you. Is there any one at all? Just slip it up very quickly put it right back down. No one at all. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Lord, we just are thankful that we have the freedoms that we presently enjoy. But we also can see that we're on the verge of losing them. We pray for wisdom, help each person here to do right, to look to you for guidance. And Father, we pray that those that are in Congress now, in the White House, that you would help them to make the right decision, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.